Welcome to the Influent Podcast, developing leadership, building success, and influencing society. For more resources, visit us online at influent.life. All right, here we are, and uh, we're doing our Influent Podcast uh, this time on uh, digital trends, and we're going to look at the top 10 uh, digital trends for 2016. So I have here uh, two experts. This is Deborah Frazier and Jared Barlow. They're uh, founders of Concilium Interactive. They've got their own uh, marketing firm that they've started to do uh, digital marketing. They've got a pretty major history. You guys have done quite a bit in your uh, long, illustrious lives. Uh, you've worked for some, some of the largest uh, pharmaceutical firms on the planet in the past, doing work for them, and they're uh, helping them with their digital marketing. So this landscape is just really fascinating. I mean, the world has completely changed, and, uh, and it is continually changing every, every few years, right? <laughs> completely shifting. Mm-hmm. And so what I want to do in this podcast is just take a look at uh, some of the major trends that are underway in the internet space and which is, you know, has to do with all business and all marketing really and looking at uh, getting ahead of these trends and figure out what's going on. And I've had a number of conversations with each of you individually and I've just been stunned by the level of knowledge and how helpful it is and surprising how much the world is changing. And so let's take a look at some of these, some of these trends. We've got a short amount of time. So let's just let's just dive in. You guys, you guys ready? Yeah, absolutely. We're ready. So just you want to give us any uh, comments as we get started here on yeah. what 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 might happen? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just a quick caveat. A lot of times, people around this time of year, over the next couple of weeks, uh, in the digital marketing field, are going to try and predict what's going to happen in 2016. And this happens every single year in many different industries, especially ours. <clears throat> so what we're going to show today is a top 10 list uh, that we feel very confident about. I don't think, and Deborah, correct me if I'm wrong on your end, but I don't think that we're reaching on any of these predictions. These are really pretty, uh, almost obvious to us. Not out there. Yeah. No, really not, really not reaching. And so uh, for some people, I think some of these trends will be shocking and I think they'll be brand new. And we'll try to explain a little bit of the history and where we're coming from. Uh, And for some people, this may be second nature. And the reality is that these things, like you said, continually change month after month, year after year. And so it's great to look at this, not just at the beginning of the year, but then kind of uh, re-look at it in six months or whatever it may be. So just wanted to caveat the top 10 with that. Excellent. All right, let's dive in. What's, What's number 10? So number 10, uh, number 10 is the, not emergence, but really staying power of video, especially in the mobile space. Uh, Video and marketing has been growing continuously year after year. And this year, what we're seeing is not necessarily even uh, a growth of video, uh, whether it be advertising or uh, video as content marketing for brands, excuse me. Uh, But what we're seeing is a change in the format of that video. So a lot of what we're seeing is that people are creating videos specifically for mobile use. And what we mean by that is the videos are in a format uh, that looks good on mobile in portrait mode. 
So what you're used to seeing is, oh, you have to turn your phone sideways to watch a video uh-huh. uh, to really see the full video. Otherwise, it's really small. But what we're seeing is that big platforms like Facebook are encouraging us to create videos that take the format of a mobile phone. And this is a direct correlation and um, a direct effect, actually, of the way that we are consuming information. We love video, and we especially love video on mobile. So, you know, and, you know, the whole video trend is a little bit surprising to me, you know, because I guess it takes a long time to consume video, right, mm-hmm. versus reading. So so people, I mean, you know, so, you know, I remember thinking YouTube was, you know, I just didn't think it was a great idea, you know, way back when. <laughs> and of course, you know, you know, they're, you know, bought by Google and worth billions, you well, know. Well, it's very interesting, actually, because video has changed a lot to where YouTube is now the second most used search engine. After Google. Right. People what? People go straight to YouTube to look up information, especially younger generations. They will look there, start there, find a video that explains how to do something, how something works, learn about news. All of that is done in video format. It's the most consumed media format that exists. That is crazy. So bottom line for us as business people, entrepreneurs, is you got to pay attention to video. And you've got to get good at video. Absolutely. And I think there's different ways to create video try to find the one that works for your business because video like you said it can be difficult to create number one inexpensive inexpensive exactly it can be costly so you have to try and find the best way to create videos uh in a really a cost-effective manner and then make sure that you're tracking that so that you're not creating content and spending that cost investing uh in video for no reason so is there any difference between quality of video because it seems like some of the really low quality stuff seems to be as good as the high quality stuff i mean if we're really going to produce a video podcast or video information or create a youtube channel or something like that does it matter if we use a studio or or just carry around a phone an iphone and (laughs) video that way i guess i think this is extremely interesting a lot of our clients really look at video as extremely costly because they want to do a full production uh, with you know, very fancy equipment, fancy production costs. Uh, and really what we've seen is a lot of people actually trust that rudimentary iPhone video more than they would that really high quality commercial that a lot of big brands are spending mm-hmm. a lot of money on. It comes off as more authentic, more uh, humanizing. And the lower that, quality is seems more authentic and more real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So... So we don't necessarily have to invest in a full-on professional video studio. No, absolutely not. I think, to me, move fast and break things. So if you're a brand, (laughs) get out there and move fast and create it. If you're busy trying to create the perfect video, uh, it's just not going to be worth it. And in the end, you're going to waste a lot of money, in my opinion. I mean, that's interesting stat about YouTube as the number two search engine. That is insane. Mm -hmm. And is it... Everything all over the map, are people looking at, for it as a news source or information source, or is it entertainment? You know? All of the above. All of the above. It's I, a search engine. Basically, yeah. it's all of the above. I, I know that uh, I did a research project a few years back, one stat showing that 97% of teenagers were going to YouTube at least once a week for news, specifically news. Uh, and I think it's going to be a growing trend. Uh, that people are going to YouTube for their news. Entertainment's an obvious thing, but the next piece of it that Google knows is going to be big, and Google owns YouTube, for those of you who don't know, 
is going to YouTube for learning and education. And it's to the point where Google actually now has programs set up to pay educators to create videos. And of course, they'll take a small cut of that as well, or a large cut. <laughs> so I think education going into video format and YouTube is going to be the biggest uh, driver of growth for YouTube. You know, you know what is really interesting here? Because, you know, to me, and we're getting a little bit off topic, but that's okay, um, is, you know, our whole goal with in Influent is to basically become leaders, become who we're supposed to be, uh, become successful, get successful, and influence society. And, 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 you know, the number one influencer in society historically, the people would say, is media. And what we're looking at is the democratization of media, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's on one sense, I think, gosh, if people are getting their news from YouTube, that's kind of dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I'm thinking, that's opportunity as well. It's Absolutely. like, let's go create our own YouTube news channels, yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, it is such a wide open field, you know, have, have, uh, have iPhone will change world, you know? And, uh, no, absolutely. You know? Uh, all right, so we're way out of, out of time on number, number 10. Let's go to number nine. Number nine that we wanted to bring up is analytics data and how you can read what's happening across your online presence and correctly understand how people are engaging with your properties. So, for in example, English? In English. <laughs> so, like we're talking about, maybe you've got a YouTube channel that you have a lot of reach on. Maybe you've got your website. Maybe you're using apps or different platforms or social channels. And all of those have different sets of analytics data. And it can be really challenging to uh, bring all of that together and get a cohesive story sure. about how people are using that. And uh, with the adoption of many more channels and programs and platforms over the past year, this is going to get increasingly difficult to accurately measure how people use it. Right. So you, you can go measure your YouTube usage, and then you have to go measure your web usage, and you have to go measure your ABC usage, and it's it's a pain. Right. And you can't get a real picture. Well, the reason why we, we love So what's the trend, though? Well, the reason why we love digital marketing is because historically, you can always get more data on does your message resonate on digital more than you could in traditional, mm -hmm. right? Because if somebody saw a commercial, we only know so much on how that resonated or how many people saw the commercial. It's totally right. Or whatever it may be. So digital has always been a safe haven for analytical-minded people. Unfortunately, right. the trend in 2016 is that it's actually more difficult to, to get truly know, not just accurate data, uh, although that is an issue, but also to compile data from a million and one sources because people are consuming your information on a million and one different uh, avenues or in a million and one different ways. And so to compile that into a cohesive story that will actually help you grow your business, right. that is what is really difficult. So, so the trend is more data, less information. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right, okay. unfortunately. So, and some of the big analytics platforms uh, in the past, Google Analytics, for example, uh, Omniture by Adobe, they measure how websites typically do. And those platforms are real, really struggling now to present accurate data sure. on even your website and what's happening there. Interesting. Again, you know, good opportunity. All right, number eight. Where are we at? So number eight is really one that we've seen year after year after year is that mobile is growing. However, the big trend in 2016 isn't that mobile is growing, although it will continue to grow. It's that we believe tablet is really going to uh, exponentially grow in 2016 and really secure itself as a 
way that people are using or consuming information and consuming your message uh, because people are now replacing their desktop computers and their laptops with tablets. They're typically cheaper in many cases, and they can do everything nowadays that a desktop computer can. And so by tablet, you're meaning iPad or and Surface? Yes, anything like that. iPad, Surface, there's a million and one SKUs out there yeah. uh, that you, you will see. And in most cases, the thing that you should worry about as a marketer isn't so much specifically what type of tablet you are using uh, or that you're consumers are using, uh, mostly what you should be concerned about is, are you creating media, is your website, for example, optimized uh, for that tablet experience? Mm-hmm. And most of what we've seen is that our our clients, they understand now that mobile is important, but they think mobile, they think phone, they think iPhone. So so tablets is, is this one here. And now, are you going to talk more? Is that on your list? Is talking about the mo- mo- mobile more? Because this is a really deep topic. We're kind of clumping it all together in an effort to squeeze in more. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, mobile is for sure in that list. That's been a growing trend for years. We're seeing that. And give me a couple years. stats on mobile. Um. Well, this past year, mobile traffic overtook desktop traffic in ten countries, including the what? US and Japan, which mm-hmm. are some of the biggest. You know, including where uh, the U.S. and Japan, two of the biggest traffic countries that are out so there. So there's more mobile internet than desktop yes. internet. Yes. What the heck? And mo- more mobile searches in Google now. Right. Uh, Google's working on its own mobile desktop. only index. They are. They actually came out and said in a Google Hangout not that long ago that even if you don't have a desktop optimized website, but you do have a mobile one, that's perfectly okay. Or they're oh. showing their own preference or wow. weight that they're putting wow. on mobile and, and usage. You, you were telling me in the past, so when you're developing a website, people typically don't pay a lot of attention to mobile. Now, and I know you guys do, but uh, Google will actually uh, cut you down for that. I, what, what's, you, you'll right. rank lower right. if you don't have a mobile-optimized website. Right. Absolutely. And and so they're they're actually favoring right. mobile. And if what you're telling me is they're they're they'll actually favor a mobile only website mm-hmm. right. above a web only. And it's oh, re- yeah. it's really this idea of thinking mobile first. And I have not seen companies do right. that well. Right. I've actually not seen companies really think about mobile first. For those of you who have designed a website or have had somebody design a website for you, think about when you've gotten those website flats, those designs. Uh, in a Photoshop document or whatever it may be, is it a desktop that you're looking at or is it a mobile design? The reality wow. is you should probably start thinking about a mobile design first and then just make that design and that experience fit for desktop because that's where it's going. Uh, that is crazy. That is crazy. Now, you you gave me another crazy stat about how mobile search is different than web search. Mm-hmm. You said, what is it? What percentage of mobile intent is local? Um, it was, I think this was last year and I think it was like 67% or so around there that most mobile searches have a local intent. And, and, and what does that mean? That means when someone's searching uh, on their Google, phone, in, on their phone, they have, they're looking for information near them. It's the near wow. me searches, the restaurants wow. near me, gas stations near me, where can I buy this item? Where can I find this information? Which is again, a huge, huge advantage if you're a business owner or entrepreneur and you have a local focus right. to really nail mobile is a right. big deal. Oh, well, we think this is actually going to lead right into how people are using wearable devices. So you think about smart, smart watches, which are another aspect of um, mobile and tablets kind of all clumped in there. 
having that accessible uh, tools right at their fingertips when people aren't even looking at their phone or searching, but that adds a whole new dimension to your ability to do local marketing if you're able to really get in on the beginning end of this trend of smart devices that people are wearing. Google yeah. Glass, smart mm-hmm. like Apple Watches, those types of things are changing the game for, for they're, they're really setting the stage for shifts as far as local interaction and yeah. mobile device usage. Yeah, that, I love that area. Wearables are huge, and I think they're going to grow. Uh, think about the iWatch or whatever it may be. Uh, I would say for 99% of marketers right now, it's probably a little too early to really be focusing on, oh, okay, what experience am I providing on the Apple iWatch? But, but not year, not for the phone. The Honestly, it, you know, it's what you're saying. If you're not focusing on the phone, That's you're true. missing out. You're yes. missing it. Oh, absolutely. Now, now he, here's here's another big thing that uh, that I've been reading about is with the with the rise of mobile, it's the it's that uh, a lot of search is no longer going through the search engines, mm-hmm. right? The search is going through apps. Mm-hmm. You're doing app specific searches. So you're on your YouTube app. Right on your iPhone, you're typing right. your search. It's actually not hitting the search engines. Yep. Right. It's right. bypassing them. Same with Amazon. Same with everything else. So, mm-hmm. so, so Google is actually, you know, I mean, you know, Google is getting Microsoft. Right. <laughs> like, you know, back in the days, Microsoft had this big monopoly of every, you know, mm-hmm. the desktop, and and all of a sudden the whole world went away from desktops, right. and Microsoft's going, what happened? You know. Well, and now Google own search and all of a sudden search is no longer uh, desktop anymore and google's trying to figure out how they stay relevant and how they you know of course they are they're they're not in is there any danger here is that google's actually losing well, google, their step google is scared and we know this because <laughs> we, know, we know this because they're pouring money into their app development and they're constantly looking for areas to create apps mm-hmm. that help consumers they're they're trying google yeah, they're search tr- app so they're trying to stay ahead of the game where they're they're getting in the mobile search. Right. But the more apps that pe- that proliferate that right. have a search function, mm-hmm. Google's yeah. not a part of that. Well, and here's the other thing that Google is trying to do to counteract that, which I think is very important when we're talking about mobile, is they're changing the point of purchase. So it used to be that you would search for Google and you would go to the web. So let's say I'm searching for basketball shoes and I go to the website and I buy the basketball shoes that I want. Google is now changing that to where you can buy whatever you want on Google without ever going to the website. And that can be very scary, especially for small, medium-sized companies, that you may have a great product. So they're trying to Amazon. Exactly. (laughs) They see that Amazon has a huge market share, and I think we're going to talk more about that later. But what they're trying to do is encourage not just purchases of e-commerce type of items, but also things like booking appointments. You can actually book appointments for dentists offices and salons mm-hmm. right in your phone on google without ever wow. finding a website. so we're no one you're a service provider you've got a website no one's ever going to hit it you'll be selling through google maybe i mean it's interesting absolutely yeah. all right so this is this is this is so helpful guys all right so <laughs> what are we at number number seven is number that one? seven uh, and this is you know one of those popular terms but virtual reality and I know saying that probably makes as many people jump for joy as other ones shudder, uh, <laughs> the skeptics out there. But, I mean, recently there's there's been billions of dollars poured into the development of virtual reality tech. And, you know, most commonly heard with the Oculus Rift gaming system. But regardless of whether it flops or it totally takes off, there's going to be a lot of new products available on the market starting in 2016 for the general public, for mm-hmm. Gaming specifically, but a lot of different fields as well. And with that comes the opportunity for 
a lot of new channels for advertising and getting brand um, integration in front of users in a way that they've never experienced. So we're not quite sure how that will play up, play off yet, and there might there's going to be some growing experiences I mean, do you, there. Do you really think marketers need to pay attention to? Here's what I virtual think. reality. Here's why this has made our top ten. Virtual virtual reality, unlike the other topics we've discussed so far, mm-hmm. is much newer. And for the small, medium sized company, there won't be much that you will do right now. But what you should do is keep an eye out because mm-hmm. with the emergence of these technologies, as Deborah had just mentioned, the bigger brands are going to jump on it really quickly. And what you're going to see if you pay attention this year and just keep an eye out is you'll see that some brands do it really well and some brands are going to flop. Mm-hmm. And so you should learn from that. So when we're rediscussing this in six months or a year, you already have in your mind the way you would maybe leverage this technology mm-hmm. because it will really be available to the masses. It's to the point where they're actually just taking a phone, turning it sideways, and putting it in a cardboard box, which is now attached to your head. It's that simple. <laughs> Google actually has a product. It's literally a cardboard <laughs> box. It's origami, essentially, that you just put your phone in. It's the, your phone, the phone is Google right cardboard. in front of your eyes, and you're able to experience... Uh, Really, what's essentially video plus interactivity uh, in a different way. And so these bigger brands who have the money, who want to jump out, they're going to jump on it. They're going to create content for it. They're going to create ads for it. What our job is for most marketers who don't have these huge brands is to watch and see what happens. All right. All right. Number six. So number six is one that you've also probably heard a lot about. Uh, It's artificial intelligence or AI. Uh, There's two sides of the coin on this. Some people love artificial intelligence. Some tech giants are really investing a lot in it. And some are really scared of it. They're scared of... Uh, Skynet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, this is where... You know, I'm afraid I have you guys at a disadvantage being a computer scientist from UC Berkeley. You know, hey, I was in artificial intelligence in the 70s, right, okay? Right. And uh, there was a lot of talk back then about it taking over the world. And, boy, computers are about as dumb as they ever were, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I honestly am probably on the skeptic side of that equation. Yeah. But I do think computers, there's some things they do, they will do really well. I mean, right. uh, uh, you know, robotics and mm-hmm. And doing the automated repetitive tasks are obviously super good. They're actually getting pretty good at voice recognition now and a few other things. But as far as real decision making, you know, I had I heard one guy tell about a speech he heard about, uh, you know, uh, you know, the computer programmers were going to be obsolete. The computers were going to program themselves. And I just want to laugh out loud right. as a computer programmer. I mean, you guys know enough. Is there ever a day that a computer is going to replace what you do? I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. And and, uh, you know, we are a long ways from that. Let me put it that way. Well, and I think the reason why, once again, we felt this was really important to discuss is that while this technology has been around for a long time, like a lot of these other technologies, believe it or not, it's really going to hit a stride in 2016 for a couple of reasons. The biggest being that tech giants are, like Google, for example, are releasing their softwares for their AI to the public. And so they're making it open source. And so Google did this earlier uh, with its artificial intelligence engine. It released it to the public, open source, so that any developer can go and develop on the platform. Now, that's, that is that's a game changer. So yeah. when you're saying, what is Google's AI system? I, I don't know what they're doing in AI. Yeah, so uh, Google's AI system, and I'm blanking on the name. It'll come to me here in a second. But basically, they've been working on it for a while. They've used projects like that. No, no. They've used projects uh, like 
within their AI to power things like Google Now. So people are actually using AI every day. It's a very rudimentary form, but it's with your phone. It's the same thing as Siri. It's actually it. a form of AI, and Google has... It, 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 is. it is. It is. And Google has created these, what, what you often will hear as digital assistants. Right. Well, it's really just a rudimentary AI. And so what they've yeah. tried to do is create more and more and build on it and build on it. But they've kind of reached a capacity, and that's why they've opened it to the, to the public. Interesting. Uh, it's TensorFlow. That's the name of it. So Google TensorFlow... And you'll you'll see it, but it's essentially that they they just made it open source. And and open source for those for those that don't understand what that is, what it means is they're actually make their source code public, so that any programmer can go take it and make changes to it and contribute to it. Mm -hmm. And the deal with op most open source licenses is you have free access to it, but you have to anything you modify is also open source. Yep. So it forces the whole world to contribute, and it's very very successful. Linux one of the most successful operating systems in the world mm -hmm. right now is open source. Absolutely. And so it's a way to get kind of the, the the community of developers behind something and to create huge innovation. So so from a from businessman's perspective, business person's perspective and a marketer's perspective, what really do we need to pay attention to if in, in this space? Well just keep in mind that the data has to come from somewhere. These computers and this artificial intelligence isn't smart enough to think on its own. It essentially, right now and over the next few years, is just going to be pulling data from many different places. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you have seen Amazon create a piece of technology called they call Echo. It's essentially their Siri. So if you ask for reviews on a restaurant near you to Amazon Echo, it has not eaten at that restaurant. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's going to pull it from a popular. This is a review. new level of artificial intelligence, <laughs> exactly. right? Robots so going and taste that's, testing. That's the difference. Artificial intelligence right now is regurgitating of information that humans have created. So, what you need to do is if you are in any way a business, whether it be a service or uh, you're creating a product that can be reviewed, for example, you need to make sure that that information is out there on many, many different platforms and look to see. Try it yourself, especially if you have Siri or Google Now. Try it yourself and see where it's pulling that information from. They source their information 99.9%. Do you have any stats on how how many searches are being done through Siri and Google Now and these, these AI kind of... I don't, uh, but we know it's growing because the average length of a search is growing. And this is mm -hmm. because people are searching with their voice. So it used to be you type in two words to find your search because you're typing. Now people are speaking to their phones. And Longer. So the so, so the search, search the conversational search is mm -hmm. It also means context-based searching, which yes. Deborah was telling me about. So you have a search within a search, so um, and which greatly affects search. And just mention that for a minute here. Yeah, that was actually talking about the, the Google artificial intelligence that Jared was just mentioning, but where you can do sequence-based conversation searches. So if Give you me an example. Say, um, uh, how old is Barack Obama? And then it'll answer you in an actual uh, response. And then you can say right after that, who is he married to? Now, in that second one, you haven't identified a subject. He, right. It's just he. But Google remembers what you just mentioned before and ties that into Barack Obama and will then give you, you know, the name of his wife. And that means that the context, if you were to pull that search out on its own, really has no bearing at all to Barack Obama. But 
within the larger conversation, you can actually understand yeah. more and, of that. And, and this has completely changed search. And uh, we have, we've had some super interesting conversations in the, in the past about, and uh, you know, one of the statements, I believe you, you told me, you said SEO is dead. And SEO meaning search engine optimization, where the idea of doing keywords and all that stuff, it doesn't work anymore. And for, for reasons like this whole, you know, context-based search, right? And this kind of thing where where you really have, there's no way to game the search engines anymore. They, they really are smart. They really... They were required to avoid that. I won't go as far as to say SEO is dead as I'm a search nerd at heart, but <laughs> the, the archaic forms of stuffing keywords into a page is absolutely dead. It's all context-based. It's providing authoritative content, but it's also understanding the larger perspective of how people are searching and providing information that can work conversationally, yeah. as well as you know providing extra context to search engines through extra data markup that helps them pick apart what's on and your website figure it out deliver those right. questions so and answers to help these search asking. platforms figure out what right. you, what you really have to offer on your website and present right. it in a way that they can digest it and use so that, that information that content on your website is a review about which product and who said it and what did they rate it like tell them exactly what's on your website so that they can better serve that no matter where that question is coming from yeah and the thing that excites me most about this field is that we're not having to rely on Apple and Google to bring us these solutions anymore. For example, there's a uh, tech startup out of Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, they just raised $127,000 on Kickstarter in 30 days. They call their product Mycroft, and it's essentially the same thing as Google Now or Siri, whatever it may be. They're doing the same thing. They're pulling in data from your website or whatever it may be. They're trying to add context to it and delivering solutions to people. And it's also open sourced. Interesting. Yeah. You, you know, and just as a little as a little aside here, um, you know, one of the things that's that's changed, you know, I, I think, you know, having again some fun conversations with, with you guys in the in the past, um, is is this this how how marketing, how much it has changed in our in our day to you know, initially, I mean, five years ago, it was keywords, right? Optimized with, with keywords. And today you're, you're saying, I mean, you're, you're, you can't take anybody's Joe Schmo website and say, Hey, we're going to just put some keywords in there and now it's going to work for you. You have to. So it's changed your whole business and your whole business, right. you know, as Concilium Interactive is actually helping people with their whole communication strategy. Right. You can't think of the web as let me optimize my website and be found. It's, you have to think of your whole business strategy, your whole communication strategy I entirely. How do, I, how do I become authoritative? How do I right. offer content that people want to find? And how do I make that part of my normal business process? That's the only way. So right. you're, you're helping companies not just optimize their digital platform, but basically optimize their business strategy. Right. And in fact, you can't do one without the other, right? Right, right. And so huge, and as we've been explaining this to people, you know, and it's, it's, it's definitely new. I mean, mm -hmm. to think about you have to build your entire company around your digital strategy if you want to win in the digital space. Yeah, and uh, also we have to remember you have to do it in a cost-effective manner that actually makes you money <laughs> because it's very easy. What we have seen is a lot of, especially big brands, pour money into being the authority, quote-unquote, uh, but they don't know and aren't measuring uh, how that actually returns, uh, mm -hmm. you know, into, into profit. And mm -hmm. so what, what we have to do is constantly keep an eye on and asking ourselves is what we're doing going to help the business 
whether in the short term or the long term? And can we really tie a financial key performance indicator Mm -hmm. to this activity? Awesome. All right, guys, thank you so much. We're going to conclude next time with the top five.